Welcome to today's episode of the Glow Phase with Your Balance podcast. Today, Daniel and I talk about failure and the different ways that we have been redefining failure for ourselves in the last few years through our journeys, through various activities and goals that we've been trying to achieve. We hope you enjoy today's episode uh, and we will speak to you again soon. It begins. Here we are again. Yeah, again here. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I guess. So firstly, another child. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, I tell you what, it's uh, it's good of you. <laughs> you think it's uh, it's good having uh. Must make it more plausible having mom and dad looking after the kids every so often. Yeah, it's um, it would be in, not impractical, but I think it would be very difficult. And yeah, the support network is huge between the like the in-laws and mom and dad and stuff. Like mm. seeing other key people who have two kids without the support network, they just get hammered. Mm. Um, it's funny though, like you. I think just some people are more cut out for it than other people, like in terms of needing the support network. And you see like other families who, you know, people have two or three kids and they just like some mom and mom and dads just kind of manage it themselves. Mm. It's very personality driven, I think as well. Like if you, if you're like a natural mother or father, like if you can handle the stress and workload, um, yeah, but it does, it, for me, it, like, it does make it a lot easier having mum and dad and then also financially as well. Like, we don't have to send her to daycare every day and, yeah. you know, like, it's just saves money as well. It's but crazy it's expensive. Oh, daycare's crazy. Like, it's good and bad that, like, Alessia, like, it's good she goes to daycare because she then she learns to socialise other kids and then she because of the way she socializes with her grandparents is like very different to actually to socialize with other kids so like yes compromise like do what they want to do and yeah just like have the world revolve around her whereas like if she comes to mom and dad's it's like what do you want to do and then the whole day is just unless you're doing whatever the hell she wants to do it's like really mm. okay, it's nice but like it's not how you make friends <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> it well, like it's just not uh it's not practical so yeah. It's good and bad. I guess, yeah, it's good and bad. It's nice that they're really involved and, like, they can help and be engaged in, in Alessia's life and then the next Bob's life. But you sort of see both sides of the coin. But there, so that being said, I suppose it, it's good. I think we are the kind of couple that needs the support network, so to speak. So, long and short of it, yes. We're <laughs> um, it's funny. I What you were touching on a little bit there is, like, um, you know, going to grandparents' place and just doing whatever they want. And I noticed just from seeing Alessia around and and mum and that, and I, I get really nervous about ever having kids and having influence from other people on their behaviour and their attitudes. So I get worried, not worried, but it just makes me think, I guess, like if I gave my kid to mum all the time, is she going yeah. to or he going to going to in get influenced by behaviors that I'm not cool with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I noticed this, like, obviously that's a struggle, a battle that you're having. Um, and it must be, I wonder how you go about it. It's, um, it's a tough one, right? Cause you can't, 
you can't cut you cut them out it sounds dramatic right but like no one wants an outcome where they don't have any influence right like it's just not it's nice that alessia has a nice relationship with mom and they get along and they play but yeah totally there's things there's behaviors that i don't like and there's you know the way mom approaches um sadness and difficulty and like you know crying and all that sort of stuff mom just doesn't can't handle it it's very so i think it's a concerted effort to realize the things that i don't like about other people's parenting styles and then be quite deliberate with alessia about that like it's okay to be sad it's good to cry it's it's good to be emotional like you're allowed to feel these things um it's it is terrifying you're right like who is actually raising your child mm -hmm. like who are they actually listening to and you don't really know mm -hmm. you sort of, and you know not to say that i want them want her just to be raised by me either right like i don't have all the answers either but nobody uh, does yeah <laughs> so like you, know, like you sound like you know, the lesser like, of the evils in this situation at least you're getting what yeah, you want <laughs> it's just like yeah i don't want it to be like i know the right answer all the time it's like all right let's see well that's what none of things but this is what we think and like this is what we yeah so it is terrifying at times i have all of mm. yeah <laughs> i could imagine like, every so often i see a behavior from alessia that's uh, mirroring something mom does i'm like good don't do that no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like even like the owens like they're quite religious and that's okay but then like you know alessia starts you know praying for the weather to change it's like okay that's a nice thing but like alessia needs to rain sometimes like god isn't gonna like you know not make it rain just because you've yeah you know, don't ask for things that aren't gonna come true either yeah, yeah, not gonna yeah. help. <laughs> exactly like i don't want to create this perception that like you know god's a genie like yeah you know, if you ask really nicely and you believe in your heart then, yeah, like, yeah. change the weather it's like not quite <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but how it really works yeah. <laughs> um anyway so yeah it's 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 uh i'm in the throes of it now though Naomi's really like morning sickness and exhausted and stuff so it's sort of like single dad mode plus a toddler uh, um my wife who's not you know is bedridden essentially and then a, a dog <laughs> as well so I don't I can see the soul in your eyes fading further and further back. Good on you. I'm glad you're a glutton for punishment. Yeah, <laughs> it's it. gonna be really rewarding in the end at some point. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if mom and dad are <laughs> they're still waiting for it to be rewarding. <laughs> so uh <laughs> why the fuck are two of them still here? And yeah. one, another one has a mortgage over our other house. Like I don't understand. Yeah all this reliance yeah they're looking after my and looking after their kids yeah they, um they actually the dogs that i want yeah geez the dogs don't even begin the um i think it's interesting too apparently the reason why um women go through menopause is so that i think it was an evolutionary thing it's so that they're able, better able to look after the next generation the grandparents sort of grandparents thing, thing yeah, yeah. So it's like to taking the step back and without that, having that uh, as a part of our DNA, then it would be really hard for us to continue to reproduce and yeah, yeah, be successful, no. particularly in the smaller like tribe setup that we used to have. The grandmother was particularly important. Yeah, like that sort of you know, maternal patriarch sort mm. of figurehead, right? Mm. It is, it is like an odd, it is interesting when you, you sort of 
you get a baby, like you have a, you know, a newborn, right? And it's like, it's the most useless creature in the entire world, right? Like yeah. when it comes out, like <laughs> completely and utterly reliant on everyone else for like, <laughs> like three years at least. And like, you, you know, a zebra pops out and that fucking thing's running. Like, yeah. Alive, we're 30 seconds into life and there's a lion. And I, I gotta go. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's like, keep up or just die. Yeah. But like, you know, like, we're. Like this is just, this is what survival of the fittest has produced. The most <laughs> yeah, so top of the food chain. Top of the food chain. This <laughs> is the top of the food chain, right? Pink <laughs> blob. <laughs> well, you know, that's exciting. I'm very uh, proud of you. I think it's going to be very another very cool experience. Yes. More uh, more mistakes to make. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> How have you found, I guess, learning from those mistakes whilst you're going through um, with Alessia? I guess, I mean, often we find ourselves beating ourselves up a lot with the things that we end up doing that we feel that's wrong. And normally that's a hindsight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I guess with the mistakes with a child, I don't know how they manifest as mistakes. And if they actually are... Uh, occur the, the the results of those mistakes occur immediately i wonder how you deal with the prolonged outcomes of the decisions that you're making that you feel are wrong and how those prolonged outcomes will influence alessia yeah i don't i don't think i'm i'm seeing any fruit yet so to speak from the yeah. decision you're making now it's hard like you're right like you, you kind of it's an interesting question like you some you're always very intro, uh, intro introspective like on on your own decisions and what how they've influenced your life but i suppose then you know it's very these early formative years for alessia like a lot of what i'll do will shape who she is and what she does and mm. you know what what the how you'll manage that uh emotion of oh i wish you know she you know she, you know, she seems uncomfortable or emotional or whatever it is like you know there's some you know there's some negative manifestation of my decisions in 10 years time it's like you know i suppose it's, it's more of a burden i'd say like because you feel responsible for that person um you know it will be yeah i can barely deal with my own shitty decisions for myself let alone the shitty decisions i make for someone else (laughs) yeah i mean what deems them as shitty decisions then i mean if they're not having an outcome yet you're i guess you're creating a problem before it happens but i get how you deeming what's a failure in the process of parenting at the moment It's a good question. I I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure yet what I think. Well, I guess you, you're always comparative, right, to other people and other kids. So, like, what they're where they're at. You know, what's okay? What's another three and a half year old doing? Are they reading, writing? Are they talking? Like, you know, what's what's their level of cognition? Um, so something like Alessia, for example, that I've started to worry about is is her speech. She, you know, she loves to talk, but she, you know, has certain sounds that she can't make with her, you know, in, in saying. Even this morning, we're driving in the car. She's trying to say the word steady, and it sounded like steady, and I just couldn't understand what you she was saying. She was getting shitty at me, and I was getting, you know, shitty at her, and she's getting, uh, and the point being, you know, this is, and then I, I worry, does that impact her socially? Well, when she tries to make friends with another four-year-old, then 
who's articulate and can say, you know, uh, speak like a, an adult, you know, and unless you're trying to say things to her, there's this four-year-old grow impatient quickly because unless you can't articulate herself, so then does it fall back on me? Okay, should I have invested more time in her speech and should I have gone to speech pathology sooner? Like, when she, when she started some speech pathology now, but, um, I yeah, I guess I'm, I think had I not, I guess there's an opportunity there for me to feel like I missed something in in her development, so to speak. Whereas, you know, you know, if I, if, I'm not calling it a failure because fingers mm -hmm. crossed, because I'm sure we'll still address it. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. maybe I could have addressed it sooner, or maybe I could have been more cognizant of it. But like, I think it's difficult when you don't make like this, this sort of like this very deliberate decisioning process that you make versus this kind of passive engagement not passive but like it's hard to call it a failure if you're not conscious of it does that sort of make sense it's you the know? manifestation of of what you're talking about there's no real outcome i mean a failure sounds so absolute yeah yeah exactly like it's not it's not like it's um oh it's like oh it's not like i had the decision to go oh okay well I think it's better that she doesn't do speech pathology or she doesn't need it. Like, okay, well, I'm going to make a conscious decision to say she doesn't need it. And then that's the wrong decision. That decision results in some level of failure. Like, I think, okay, that's quite, that's quite distinct. Whereas if you just sort of like, go, I hate the phrase going through the motions, but which is going through the motions in your decision-making process. And then, you, oh, okay, well, actually I can't, maybe she needs some speech pathology because she can't articulate herself. And then you kind of go down that road. But do you know what I mean? I think it's very, you can categorize decisions as you know you, you can like you can you can't but like okay that was a you know more right or more wrong or i should have done something a little bit different in that decision making process rather than you know rather than just not being aware that there's a problem mm. so that makes sense yeah I think, I think half the battle for people in making decisions is actually being cognizant of there being a problem yeah okay i mean i think that's an interesting point because is it a problem or isn't it a problem and i guess maybe then that's the type of failure that's worth talking about then is how are we going to safeguard yourself from seeing the decisions you've made materialize into something down the track because right now i guess you're doing the best you can yeah, and you were probably not thinking to yourself, oh, you know, I could have done that better. And she's suffering because of this reason. Um, yeah. You know, you're responding to situations that are going on. And I guess like um, hearing mom and dad sometimes think, oh, you know, it, su it sucks that you feel like this. We feel like failures because you're playing too many video games as a kid. We should have stopped you. Uh, and like, that's a difficult thing to put on yourself. Mm. I think because because of that kind of stuff, like it's hard to have those conversations with parents to be like, yeah, this really fucked me up. I'm not blaming yeah. you. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not telling you that it was your fault, but this fucked me up. Yeah. And the second they make it about them, oh no, I find it super selfish. I don't have a better word than that. I know they're just trying to be considerate and take ownership, but it's not about you. <laughs> it's about how I'm feeling as a result of this stuff. Yeah. 
And I guess that's probably part of the thought that I'm having with the failures that you may anticipate down the line. It's how are you going to safeguard yourself from correlating the decisions you're making now and reminding yourself down the line that this is what you did with the best intention. Whatever the outcomes are, aren't necessarily your fault. I think, um, I mean, it's a very similar approach you probably want to take to many other decisions that you you make in your in your life where you realize that a lot of things are really, really out of your control. You know, there's very little that you can that you can actually control from a decision making standpoint. Um, and, and I think with Alessia, it's probably the same thing. You know, it's I, I, I sort of heard, you know, it's 50 50 nature nurture, right? You 50 percent what you put in and 50 percent just who she's going to be. And I, I like that and I don't like that. Like I like that in the sense that, okay, there's a responsibility put on decision-making and people to do, you know, to, to be stewards of their children and to be stewards of themselves in terms of like nature nurture, right? Well, if you're going to be a certain way and your nature is a certain way, then, you know, you need to be a steward of that. But in the same sense, well, if I'm, you know, if I'm an asshole by nature, I'm an asshole. So fuck you. Right. <laughs> like, you know, I just, so I, it's a balance, right? Like do, in any decision i think that you know i've made that i go okay that was i'd do it differently now and i think even alessia when i look back it's like well i you know it's important to take responsibility still Mm. it's not i think it's important to not less of you know dwell on it but you know figure out what you can figure out what you can learn from it is is a really shit phrase but um (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like I just don't, I, it has to be a balance between, you know, if you're talking about, all right, mom and dad, like, okay, like the whole video game, video game thing, like that was a fuck up. The fuck up on your side and my side, like, let's be honest. We all made mistakes along the way. Mm. Um, and that's sort of collective responsibility, like ownership of the decision, like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. But at the same time, when you were in the moment, like, did you really have that much autonomy of the decision? Like, mm. well, no, I was a 16 year old boy hooked on dopamine in a fucking video game. Like how much decision, how much like, you know, uh, autonomy did I have? Or, you know, how much influence that I have on the outcome? Very little. And I think, you know, same for Leslie, like, okay, I can try to put these things in place and, and you know, be engaged with her. But yeah it's just a balancing act between what between how much you influence the outcome with your decision versus how much it's just determined for you mm. and I, yeah and i guess then so you're saying that you are going to take some responsibility but you also realize that it's not completely your fault yeah there's a multiple multitude of factors going into it and i think it comes down to a lot of how you respond to the emotions that you're coming up with like Failure isn't necessarily an emotion, right? But it definitely has connotations with a lot of depressive thoughts or, um, I guess, self-condemning mentality. You know, what have I done? I have failed. And you really, when you even say it, it's almost like an ownership thing. As I have failed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that no matter what, you're right. We're going to fail. Uh, you're going to have other influences that impact the outcome. And that thing in itself is a failure. I guess then you're right. It's going to be so much more and accepting the fact that this is just what life is. This has just happened. Mm. It's not about me figuring out who to blame is. 
It's not about me being reprimanding upon myself or others. It's about going, okay, well, this is what it is. Failure or not, it just is what it is. And then moving through that to figure out where you want to get to. Because if we sit and fester on the ideas that we have, that we deem as not good enough, then I don't see any real benefit, beneficial outcome. It's like, give me solutions, don't give me problems. And by focusing on something as a failure, I guess there's a lot of problematic kind of approach things. At least that's the connotation I get in my head when I hear somebody saying, oh, I've failed with this. Yeah, yeah. Look at all the negatives of it. And I think it's so much more like, you know, I know it's, there's a lot of cliche around failure, but, you know, learning from those mistakes or just taking it as an opportunity. Like, I mean, failures in so many different ways too. It doesn't just have to be about your fault necessarily. You can just be in a position where things have messed up and you can feel like a failure. Like, um, yeah, lots of different things can make you feel like a failure. I, mean, I guess it's just kind of accepting the fact of where you're at. At least this is what it is for me. No, so like the car, the car gets nailed. I end up having to be up here. The dog does some stupid shit with, you know, animals and people and all these things I feel I am responsible for. Mm-hmm. No, no way around it. These are my responsibilities. And if I can't manage that properly, I feel like I've failed. I feel like I've messed up. Yeah. I haven't been successful in those. That's a better way to say it, right? Sure. I haven't been successful in those. And this is this is the outcome. Some of it's out of my control, but it doesn't matter. I'm still responsible. So that's taking the ownership and accountability. But my when it for me, because I ha- I recently have had a whole bunch of things happen one after the other, I've kind of gone, it almost gets to the point where it's like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I do not have the headspace to worry about this stuff. Mm. It's happened, it's okay. I can't do much about it. Who else is judging me besides me in this situation? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if anybody else is judging me, I don't really have it's waste of their own time. I guess I'm trying to get away from owning these failures, but taking responsibility for the outcomes, nevertheless, and just kind of going, well, there's no benefit in me being upset about it. There's no benefit in me overanalyzing it. Make a decision, a quick decision, and move on. Like you notice in the World Cup, they're playing and something goes wrong and the keepers and the ref, uh, keepers and the coaches are like, calm down. Yeah, Everybody yeah. Chill out. It's okay. You let a goal in, just do what you do. You know you can do this. You've been trained for this. And I think um, that sport thing is such a good example of, of failure because you think in most, like in most sports, like failure is the sort of the default outcome in a sense that I say that like, you think about baseball, right? This is like the perfect example is you have like a batting average, right? And if you hit over 300 in your batting average, which is effectively saying you hit the ball, if you get a hit, you get on, you get a hit the results and you're going on base, you know, more than 30% of the time, you're an elite player. Like you're the, like you know, top 10% of players. You get more than 25%. You're like, you're right on that average. Wow. That means like 70% of the time you're failing. 70% of the time you walk up to the plate and you strike out or you hit the ball and someone catches it. Like <clears throat> your default in baseball is failure. Mm. And like you have to have this. And I think that's a lot of sports. Like your default in NFL is, you know, a three and out. You've got three downs, you know, the running back runs two yards every day. Fuck, you're gone. Next punt, turnover, whatever it is. Like you look at, you know, rugby league, the default is, Pass six times, kick the ball. We didn't get a try. Like you know, the, you know, you're not going to win all the time. I think like 
yes, you know, the World Cup, again, huge example, right? Like, you, you know, the goalkeeper lets one goal in, waste, you know, the Aussie goalie, right? Shit, like the dude, like, completely <laughs> fucked up. Like, um, <laughs> but, like, there's, like, you know, he's got to have a, he's got to have, a, like, you got to have a small memory. Like, you got to have a very, like, you <clears> amnesia <throat> when it comes to, like, sports. You have to be a successful sports person and, and deal with, you know, failure on a regular basis. And, like, um, and I think, um, yeah, I think it translates like really. It's a really perfect example that okay, like yeah, that was shit, but I can do it better the next time. So like yeah, the outcome wasn't what I intended to for it to be, or you know, the outcome I think could have been better or could have been different. I could have hit the ball that way. I could have, you know, you know, shot, you know, staved the ball this way. But you're right. It's okay that action didn't result in a success in go commas but there's a responsibility on the outcome where it's like okay well this is the hand i've been dealt so to speak and i'll i'll do my best to own it um mm-hmm. and and yeah you're right i think early, like you know the concept of failure is is negative like is very it's hard to get away from that so the dichotomy of failure and success but mm-hmm. at the same time you know, if you can start to shift the narrative away from, you know, binaries from like failure and success to 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 more of like, this is what I have to deal with now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I think that's for me. I've been a, I've been trying to shift my mindset a bit towards that as well. Like, all right, this isn't an absolute, or you know. And you, you know, and every time you have a failure, like you can play it out a thousand different ways. Like again, that, that Aussie goalie, right? It's like, oh, I could have stopped it. But then, yeah, you could have led three more goals afterwards. Or like, mm. you know, you don't know what could have been. You, you you sort of create these stories. I love like the meditation, like Headspace always talks about the narratives you create in your mind. And then like, so you're, you, you have an outcome that eventuates in your reality and you define that as a failure because you build a separate narrative that is successful along the side of it. And it's like a linear comparison where it's like, mm. fuck, that's not a, that's, there's no way that's, you know, there is a, yes, there's a possibility it turned out that way, but there's also a possibility it turned out a thousand other ways. As yeah. Well. Like, yeah. Not like it was a or B it was a B plus a million. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know? I think that's, a, that's such a cool point too. I think the meditation thing and Buddhism, just in general, I think, make a really cool idea of being, you know, not being attached to the outcome. And I've often had that conflict of going, well, man, if I don't have a clear vision of where I'm going to go, mm. then how am I going to get there? Like, unless I know what it's going to look like, like you're talking about that clear definition of success, then how do I know I'm, how am I going to get there? And I think it was like, I've, I've thought about it for years, eh? And I come back to the idea of it's like, it's still having that direction, but not being so tightly bound to how it looks exactly and it's like i want to be i want to exercise yeah. and i want to look good and i have this image of what looking good is i go well you know i need to take a couple steps back i just want to exercise enough so i feel good about myself and if i leave that a little bit more broad i don't feel like i failed but then i question the idea of that am i ever going to really be able to get to a degree of greatness or a degree of success or a degree of accomplishing the things i set out to at a high standard if i leave that as such a loose goal and i and I, I honestly think the answer is no i'll still be able to get there because being kind to myself through the process enables me to do more of the process being able to go uh even though i'm not there yet that doesn't mean i'm i've failed so far even after six weeks it might have been the goal i didn't mm-hmm. get there i might have only gotten 80 percent of the way there 
I could beat myself up for not making it to either success or loss, or I could just go, well, cool. Well, I've got a process now. And I think that's kind of what I'm falling more in line with. Yeah. I want to become super fit. Then I go, well, okay, the, the idea isn't what this looks like, this end goal. The idea is how does a super fit person act every day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and those behaviors that come, okay, I'm missing one or two meals. It doesn't matter. I'm still a super fit person because that's, that's what a person does. They're not 100% the same person, the same things every day. Yeah. So trying to, I think with that, the dichotomy of success and failure that, yeah, I don't think they should exist at all, right? Like you said it really well. Okay, this is what I've got going on now and what am I going to do about it? Yeah, I um, I, I totally agree. I think the concept of getting away from an outcome, like I want to be super fit to, well, what kind of person is a super fit person? Well, that's a person that values their bodies, takes care of themselves, you know, believes in, you know, longevity, you know, whatever, like, okay, or, you know, there's other things that I value, hard work, stick, you know, all right, well, I want to be the kind of person that, uh, you know, is a let's just say hard worker or whatever you want to call it, right? I want to, I want to be a yeah. hard person. And so, how does that manifest? Well, some people manifest in in study. Some people manifest in 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 being super fit. Some people it manifests in other activities, right? But yeah. yeah, it's you know, what kind of person do you want to be in that journey towards? Well, this is the way I've chosen to go about that kind of a person, but. It's not about where that takes me. It's about the kind of person where I want to be. And I think that helps you shift when things go wrong, right? Mm. So like you, you know, I'm, you know, it's the difference between I'm a super, I want to, I am a fit person to I am a person who tries to be fit, right? Mm. I'm still a person like, and so there's some definition in me around who I am and the kind of behavior and the way I carry myself is not so much tied into my outcome, right? Like the sports mm-hmm. thing as well. Like my my psych talks to me about this fair bit because he's sports psych. He says you like you just you know sports people do it all the time. Like I am a basketball player. So no 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 you're a person that plays basketball and now basketball's gone. So you're still a person that figure out what the fuck you're gonna do because you're still a person, <laughs> right? Yeah. So then it's not so then again like success and failure, it's not like well I have failed to be a super fit person. It's like, no, 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 you're just, you, what kind of person do you want to, I want to be a nice person, a kind person, I want to be a, you know, hard work, whatever. Okay, how does that manifest in your life, in your activities? And I think if you can take that mentality, then it really, for me, that's what helped recently, it's like shifting away from the failure mentality. It's like, oh, well, like, you know, if I want to be a person that is dedicated to something and that picks CrossFit to do that, then okay, that's what I've picked. But who the fuck knows next week I might break my leg and never do it again. Mm. Uh, because that's shit happens, right? Like, yeah. you know, again, like you think about, you know, if you have some aspiration to be successful, let's just use psychology for your for your instance, right? Like, you know, the reality is for any for anyone who becomes quote unquote successful or prominent or has some level of significance, it's a fuck lot of luck. Be a right place, right time, know the right people. You know, it's 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 all gonna fall into place, mm. and you might not you might not get it. But if you say, well, I'm if I want to be kind person, and I'm gonna try to be a psychologist along the way, and whatever happens with that happens with that, then okay, cool. Like that's the the outlet, and I think you're less defined by an outcome in that situation. So yeah, mm. I think it's shifting away from I want to I am something. So I want you know I am a basketball player. 
and then when that becomes a failure like you because you feel like you're a failure it's okay well, no, 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 i'm shifting about who do i want to be as a person i think is and that takes that dichotomy in my mind away from from the narrative mm, who do i want to be as a person i think so too because when i'm like living back here at the parents place i'm going um i'm struggling more with my diet than normal and that's still very good so i'm not i don't beat myself up but the the point is i often i go ah oh, i don't have great self-discipline what i have is a great set of rules yeah, yeah, yeah. Those moral guiding. It's like, and it comes down. That's with food is one thing. My like rule is, if don't get this in the house, don't have it in the house. I'm not going to end up eating it. And now that it is in the house, I'm like, well, there's a fuck. You know, yeah. I mean, my rules already been bypassed here. Like, so I don't have that ability to say no right now. So I'm like, oh, I need to learn, relearn my rules here, set some new rules in place. And I guess it's the same when you're looking at like what you want to or what you deem as success. Yeah. Um you know, putting those rules in place. Like my rule is to exercise every day. My rule is to also give myself a break and listen to myself. And my other rule is to be like gratitude, kind, <laughs> like, and then that perforate, like permeates into other things. So I guess then maybe I want to kind of push back a little bit more though. Sometimes the vagueness of the rules and the ambitions of the goals don't like the rules are a good foundation to get to the goal but often more so now than ever my goals are very blurry yeah like i want to be more i don't want to sit down as much you know and i want to be able to i want to eventually get into therapies you said that and i feel on this way better being like real fixated and like i need to weigh this much or i need to look this way yeah have money and i need to get this um, degree done those things put an unnecessary amount of pressure and overwhelmingness of feeling mm. on me whilst if i'm going okay these are my rules this is kind of where i want to end up i've got some like there's some specifics in there like i know how my therapy what i want in my therapy but any part of that would do as a successful therapy you know, and I talked about like, so I got to perform on my Christmas band on mm. the other day, which is so fun. And I've always wanted to be up on stage. And I think as a kid, it was like, oh no, I want to be in a super big band or a rock star or anything else. And gradually, but slowly, I'm like, you know what? I don't really mind. I just want to perform. Yeah, I don't yeah. care if it's in a musical or if it's just in some work band. I'm just stoked to perform. So what do you think? Is that selling short an overly ambitious idea and therefore basically negating that idea? It makes it impossible to do because I'm just happy with the lower tier of it. Or is it actually something that's benefiting the overall pleasure in life? And therefore that is a definition of success. Yeah. It's it's a I think it's probably a shift in like life stages. Like I feel like the the fifteen year old dream of being a rock star, like that's really acceptable but the 32 year old dream of being a rock star is like probably not so acceptable still like mm. and but how you then like choose to manifest that outcome or the, the feeling of that outcome right whether that you know as a 15 year old boy whether that was you know band or you know jamming with you know band or whatever however it took place for you and now at 32 it's like okay now it's a work thing but like you know you you've set different levels of goals but i think it's it's a similar um, sort of 
manifestation in, in your world, right, in terms of how it's actually eventuating. Whereas, so, so I don't think you need that esoteric, like that, 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 you know, the dream you don't need the dream at, at 30 right like i mm. think it's probably healthy to not have the dream at 30. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, um yeah i think i do I, I agree though like it does be you know how far do you take that then in terms of like degrading your goals you know everyone talks you know, if you have a goal it's going to be specific and yeah. the smart bullshit right and so it's like okay, okay goals are good pursue something have something you're working towards that's okay but then how how much do you, you're right how much do you strip that back to make it like well i'm not tied to the outcome but the outcome is still of worth of you know worth me pursuing um mm. and i yeah I, I think it's you know if you take that as well like to, to sort of to the nth degree right like you think about um retirement right like you, you think about say so how do you sort of set goals that that drive meaning when you're when you're retired right and i just i was when we're sitting at molly last week i was sort of reflecting on this because you watch retiree you would you, you would have done this for a year retirees yep. all around you like you know the, a lot of retirees define their lives by hitting a ball in a fucking hole 18 times every you know, three times a week right they just play golf right yeah. um, and that's that's the sort of all right well i want to play golf with my friends and you know that it's sort of so sort of like how much do you well if and if you say it like that if you say the goal you know how do how do you want to spend the last 10 years of your life want to hit a white ball into a cup hundreds of yards away 18 times if you say it like that it sounds like shit well, that's a bit like what's the value in it yeah um but <laughs> but you can, it's hard for you to make that judgment call that's an inappropriate goal or that's like an not a nothing that's not worth pursuing because i'm sure there's a deeper meaning to it so i think it is i don't to answer your question i don't really know how far you strip the goal back to be like well this is the this is the bare this is the minimum goal i should set to not get tied to the outcome but to also have something to pursue and work towards that drives me further in life in some mm. way i think you um you touched on a point there when you're saying smart goals and I re recall how I go about smart goals now, which I think kind of helps answer the question a little bit too. Um, but also in saying that, I think one of the points you come up with is that success is a, is a measure of happiness at the end of the day. If hitting a go go golf ball in a hole is happiness, then you've won, you know, but the, the smart goals, I think what I gathered from this over my experience of setting goals, particularly annual goals over the last couple of years, because that smart goals over a year or two year or even six months basis is a dangerous, dangerous thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's yeah. too, too ambitious. It's too big. You lose track and sight of where you need to be. Smart goals should be like a couple of weeks, three months yeah. tops. And so by applying that principle and knowing my overall ambition, be more active or stand up more then my shorter term goals can be the smart goal can be really specific because it's really easy to see short term that build into the bigger picture yeah, so yeah. like i'm seeing it more and more with some of the stuff that i'm doing it's like my smart goal is to you know do the pt course i don't want to be a pt one day but i know that somewhere or another my end ambition is to be coaching people in some shape or form yeah. you know, the nutrition cert certification again I'm like, this is tying into the whole I know what I want to do. I want to use my influential and empathetic nature to encourage people to live a happy life and pass that on to others. And if I know that's kind of my motto in life, 
then I kind of go, is this fitting that motto? Is this fitting that rule? Yeah. And can I make this something that's a shorter term thing? Which I think is also applicable in our learning um, in, uh, what do you call them? Institutions. <laughs> Uni is 10 weeks at a time. School or whatever it is, 12. Yeah. Uni, uh, school's the same. Yeah. They're breaking down their short, they're breaking down an annual goal, get through year one to 12 or uni first year in smaller chunks. And so you're able to get to that end goal in basically three month periods, right? So I think that we've almost been institutionalized to do that, but we've lost track of it sometimes. We think of like what we want to do is finish high school and we want to get a degree. Yeah, but yeah. really what we want to do is finish the term. We want to do that the best we can. And then yeah. if we beat that term and then you can break it down on a daily basis. If you own that day, then yeah. the next, and then you'll end up owning a week and you'll end up owning a month. And eventually the goal becomes clearer. And I've also liked the p idea that the path becomes clearer with every step that you take. So if you're taking steps in the right direction, then that end goal, that fuzziness that looks like in 10 years away becomes a little bit more transparent. Mm -hmm. So like I, I think that's why I kind of, at least why I bring that question up is because at least, I don't know if it's a society standard or it's something that I've just kind of, or we have just kind of come up with ourselves on having this really specific measurable goal and that I feel guilty that I don't. But I realize that I've put these practices in place so that I can live a successful life. What is a successful life? A happy life. Yeah, yeah. A happy life I where I know where I'm going. And that the decisions that I'm making are still in line with the overall what I deem success. Yeah. Um, I I think I mentioned this to you before, and we might sort of wrap up in a minute. Um, but I think to your point, like you know, why why I like what you said, smart goals should be short term. But why have we made them long term? Like why do they become you know three, five, ten year things that we try to measure ourselves against? Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can be part of it is the questions we ask kids. What do you want to be when you grow up, right? And what, like, I've, I've probably said this to you before, but I think it's a fucking terrible question, mm. right? Because like, how the hell do they know what they want to be when they grow up? They've got no idea what it means to be a lawyer and, you know, being a law in a, in a, in a courtroom yelling yelled at and trying to get an innocent man out of jail or be a doctor <laughs> with heart in their hand and yeah. food all of a sudden. Like, this is some horrible shit, right? And like, mm. uh life is not about what you want to be when you grow up and i think maybe to sort of circle back to the original conversation like what do i want to teach alessia and what will i deem as a failure well maybe i deem a failure if i ask her the question what she wants to be when she grows up and, and i think to your point like perhaps i think the better question is going to be like well how do you want your day to look alessia? yeah you, want, you know just just think about today mm. you know, she's already started saying like i don't want to turn four because i'm going to go to preschool when i turn four and she's already so focused on the future and what these things are going to be like and so that's actually don't worry like just what are you doing today like just like let's focus on today let's you know let's lay one brick today let's let's build one little thing today and, and that way you, when you look back it's going to be a big building right so yeah i think uh it's a good point. Make it make smart goals short term, and and I, you know we have been uh, institutionalized, but you know society has asked the question <laughs> too many times, like what do you want to be when you grow up? Like so, I set this ungodly standard that is <laughs> unattainable, and then that becomes a failure when I don't hit it. And I think, yeah. well, no, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or no, what what do you want your day to look like today? If you yeah. figure that out, then you'll take a step in the right direction. Yeah, and then eventually every day is looking the way you want it to look. And that's a really good point. I often tell people, like, how was your day? And so it was a perfect Dan Talbot day. 
I know, <laughs> and I know exactly what that looks like. That's a really good point. I know exactly yeah. what it looks like. It's, you know, meditation, journaling, exercise, music. Um, and in if I do those things, then it's a Daniel's Halbert yeah. day. Everything else in there, it's just, it's just yeah. And no matter where you get to from like a like a success standpoint, like. Exactly. Matter. And then I just add one, like, have I been kind to myself and others? Like, if I've got these kind of things and about, I'm like, what the fuck am I complaining about? So yeah. that's an excellent method. And just also to add, just as I know we're wrapping up, that that's yeah. something dad actually said years ago to me. And he said it, um, he's like, you know what? He goes with work and the way he views it. And often I feel overwhelmed with the amount of stuff I want to get done. He's like, I just try to do one thing a day, one thing at work a day, one productive yeah, yeah. thing. And he said his boss is like, what the hell? But if you look at it, you're doing that means you're doing like fifty plus things a um, a year, which is a lot yeah, of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a it's a really cool perspective, um, and I'm glad it'll be interesting to see how you can apply this to Alessia and and I guess learn a lot from it yourself whilst you do. Yeah, and the second one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever they're gonna be like. Yeah. Rick. All right, mate. Good chat. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Bye.